Hey everybody, it's the MPG Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Mosler. This week I got Sabria Scott from Scott Realty. How's it going? Hey. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. No problem. <laughs> so, um, kind of my first common question I always ask everybody is, you turn 18, you get out of high school, what's your trajectory from then till right now? Ah, okay. Well, that's a whole lot. Um, actually, when I was in high school, I was also in school to be a barber stylist. So once I graduated um, at 18, I went straight into college at Savannah State, but I was also in school to get my barber's license. So um, throughout college, pretty much, I uh, did hair. I was a hairstylist, okay. a licensed, a master licensed barber stylist, and um, that's pretty much what got me through college. Um, and so I got my bachelor's degree in early childhood education. Okay. And then I kept going, and I got my master's degree in learning disabilities. <laughs> and while I was getting my master's degree, I actually enrolled in real estate school. What so, drew you to real estate school? Do you remember? Was there like something in particular? Well, um, I've always been interested in houses. Uh, my aunt, which is terrible, uh, years ago uh, when I was young, she would uh, put us in a car and call up agents on signs and just have them to come out to show her houses. And I really enjoyed it, but it wasn't until I became an agent and realized she was never going to buy a house. <laughs> so she was just wasting all of these people's time. So anyway, um, so I, I, I kind of got a love for homes during that time. Um, and then I've always been a salesperson. So when I was in um, middle school and high school, I was the candy lady. So I always sold Snickers and pickles and all of that. <laughs> Um, and then anytime there was a fundraiser at school where you had to sell candy or candles or whatever it is, I was always like the leading salesperson. Um, so it just kind of was, I don't know if I was born with it <laughs> or what, but I was always a salesperson. So it just made sense. I got you. So mm -hmm. like entrepreneurship was like in your in your DNA. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so then, so you take the real estate course. Um, and you're getting your master's. Yep. So do you complete your master's? Yes. So I complete my master's, but I completed a real estate course before okay. I actually completed my master's. And then um, once I completed the, the real estate course, um, I went straight into real estate. But I was teaching at that time as well. So I was a full-time teacher. I was teaching at Garrison, and it was before it became a performing arts school. So I was teaching over there. And then I... Um, I uh, moved to Bartlett Middle School. Okay. So in the midst of that, I was also doing real estate as well and teaching and also still being a barber. Dang, they're <laughs> like a full schedule. Uh, yeah, it's, it's funny because a lot of the agents that I used to co-op with, they had no idea that I was a hairstylist until they would run into somebody and it was like, yeah, you know, she does my hair too. I was like, what? She was your agent and did your hair? So, you know, I would see them. They was like, you didn't tell me you did hair. <laughs> So anyway, yeah. So then kind of what happened from there? So you're... Well, I, I did both. I did all three for about five years. Whoa. Yeah. So I did all three for about five years. At a point, it became to be too much. I mean, I was working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, pretty much. Yeah, seriously. And um, so school was... Teaching was uh, one of the things that had me... One of the careers that had me a lot more restricted. And um, with doing hair or being a hairstylist... 
um, I had the opportunity to make my schedule a little bit more flexible. So I would just kind of move my clients all over to two or three days a week. And then I could do real estate on those other days and before and after or in between my clients if need be. So it just worked better for my schedule. So I ended up um, not signing my contract again with teaching after. So I didn't leave in the middle of the year or anything like that and traumatize my students. <laughs> but um, I just didn't go back. I didn't re-sign a new contract. And I was just doing hair and then real estate full time. But then it got to a point with hair was that I was hiring people to, to, to be me and to do the things that I needed to do in real estate in my office or showing houses. And it started not making financial sense because I was just making so much more money with real estate than I was with um, being a hairstylist. So I, I, you know, I cut back to like uh, every other weekend, yeah. then once a month on the weekend. <laughs> so I had to wean them off because, you know, as many clients I had been doing hair since I was in middle school. So like 15 years. Yeah. And um, so I would come back and I'll do hair um, or style their hair if it was for a 50th birthday or a wedding or, uh, a, you know, just something, a special occasion. Uh, and that's kind of how I am now. If it's somebody who hair I've been doing for years, um, and even though I haven't done hair now in probably about, mm, I would say about 10 years, um, I will still go back and do it. You'll still them. do their hair? Mm, yeah. What? Yeah. yeah, I have to keep my skill up. You know, you never know what's going to happen, right? That's true. So yeah. I, you know, I keep my, my barber styling license up. I keep my teaching certification up. I keep I keep all my plan A's, B's, C's, and D's. Just like ready to yeah, go. Ready to go. <laughs> so like what year was that? And then you kind of like transitioned out. Oh, you said that was 10 years ago. Yeah, so like so 2010. Like, yeah, so like it, the end of this month, I will have been an agent for 18 years. So it's been about 10 years that I uh, totally transitioned out the hair and was doing real estate full, you know, just that's yeah, it. Right. So I'm not going to say, because I've been doing real estate full time from the beginning. I always tell people who get in the real estate business and, and my agents will tell you that I always say, if you look at it as a part time job, it's going to be real part time money. Yeah. So you really have to put in full time hours and everybody's not cut out for two full time jobs. Um, and you know, I've been a person that ha has always been that way. Um, I've always done more than one thing. Um, so it, it wasn't a big deal for me, but it became a point where, um, I was opening up my own company and now I got agents under me. So all of that became too much to still be styling here. So you actually opened Scott's like while you were still like, that was before you went full time. No, no, no. So I opened up Scott Realty in 2013. Oh, okay. However, okay. I work with a team of other people. And because my business was thriving, I had other agents that started working with me. Okay. So it was somewhat like a team. So I would refer them business. Also, I hired a couple agents to actually work with me in the office to do some of my admin stuff. So I was functioning as a real estate company, but I was working at a real estate company. Okay, I understand. Like time. a team within right. a team. Yeah, so it was like a team within a team. So I probably had about six or seven people working for me while I was working at another company. And then what gave you the confidence in at that point? So 2013 hits. Uh -huh. What's well, like, I'm going to jump now? Well, it was more or less, I, you know, I, I, I always say that uh, God forced me out. You know, <laughs> it was just like I got all of these different signs that it was time for me to open up my 
owned business, but it was a, a series of events that happened within a couple of months time frame at the other office that just made me know that it's absolutely time for me to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then so 2013, you open up? Yeah, so I opened up. Um, I had no, um, you know, I, I didn't have any plans of opening up and having a big real estate company or anything like that. When I opened up Scott Realty, it was for me to work and a couple of my agents who were working with me at the other company for them to work as well. So it was just more of me opening up a firm so I can do real estate because I had gotten too big to be up under another company and they really couldn't handle my volume and, and my structure and what I had going on. So that's the reason why I opened up. As soon as I got open, you know, like within two weeks, I had agents say, well, you ready for us? And I'm like, I don't even have my policies and procedures yet. (laughs) So I had to get ready. And then, you know, after that, um, they just started coming. And it's just it's funny because I always tell people and even when I. Uh, sit down and agents interview me because you know with with real estate is totally different so it's not like you know uh like a regular job where uh, you you go to the company and they you know you're being the interviewer right so i'm trying to get a job at your company it's totally different when you're a real estate broker the the actual potential agents interview you to see what your company have to offer right um so it's like vice versa but I've never uh, recruited. So that's one of the things I'll say. There's only one agent that I ever tried to recruit. And that was just one of my um, agents that worked with me at my old company. And she was Spanish speaking. And, you know, because everybody calls yeah. me, you got a Spanish speaking agent. <laughs> we're like, no. <laughs> but we can get through it. You right. Know? I, yeah. like, uh, <laughs> I got Google Translate. <laughs> yeah. So, so I actually recruited her. Um, you know, but the other agents just, you know, saw me saw what we were doing in the community or saw us on social media and um just how my agents how we work how we handle things how we do deals um how we co-op with other agents and they just decided that they wanted to come over so um now i'm up to about i think i'm up to about 53 or 54 agents but 53 or 54 yeah yeah what yeah dang (laughs) And you yeah. guys operate all of that out of the Montgomery Crossroads location? Well, no. So we also have a, a location in Garden City. Okay, I didn't know. And okay. yeah, so we do. We have a location at 527 U.S. Highway 80. It's actually right across from the sunny side up, right by the Cary Hill. Oh, okay, yeah. Across from the Bell Bondsman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that building. You know, it's that complex because yeah. it's like a complex of eight. So yeah, we're located in there. And then I also have an office in Bluffton. So... Um, we're in South Carolina. We're right in Okatee, um, in the Regis building. So, um, and I do have about, I think five or six South Carolina agents and a lot of my agents in my Georgia agents, they do business in South Carolina too. And because South Carolina and Georgia's reciprocity, um, they can actually write contracts under me. So they can do business under me in South Carolina without paying the fees. I pay the fees though. Really? <laughs> yeah. So that's a perk that they get that you don't get with a lot of other brokerages. But yeah, they're able to do business in South Carolina. So they don't necessarily have to get their license, um, South Carolina license because they may do, do two or three deals in South Carolina a year. Right. When I'm consistently, you know, I do probably a minimum of about 25 or 30 in South Carolina a year. So um, I do have agents over there. So then did you have to get like a separate broker's license in South Carolina? I do. So I have a different broker's license, a different real estate office, a different <laughs> a different uh, 
insurance, all of that. Yeah. How long has that been happening? So I've been um, a member over there, I think, maybe about six years. So it was pretty soon after you started. Yeah. Well, see, I had always been doing a business in South Carolina, but my company that I worked for previously, um, they were not licensed in South Carolina. And so I had to partner with the agent, a really awesome agent um, over in South Carolina named Mike Powers. So I partnered with him and we sold tons of houses. And then I eventually said, because I had agents that wanted to come in under me over there, and it was other business that was uh, business opportunities that I was soliciting for. So I had to have an office. So once I got an office, then I had to join the MLS and all of that. So, yeah. So now, you know, I'm just totally functioning alone. And then I have agents that supports me um, and help me out with some of my properties and things like that. That is pretty crazy growth. So yeah. like one year after you open, uh-huh. you're in South Carolina with a whole separate branch. Yeah. Were you nervous? Well, I would say, yeah. But, you know, one of the things that, you know, my sister always tell me is that I never kind of look at the part of failure. Like when I say I'm going to do something, it's just I'm going to do it. You know, so I never really think about, well, what if this doesn't work or what if that doesn't work? It's kind of like it's not an option. It has to work. Like it's just going to happen. And I'm going to keep on doing, you know, going hard at it until it works. Right. Right. So that's just always been my, my personality. So. And then I always have Plan B, C, and that's why I still got my. Look, that's why I'm still a barber stylist. That's why I'm still a teacher. So, <laughs> if anything goes left in the real estate world, I always have a, um, I always have a backup plan. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that must make you feel a little bit more comfortable, I guess, because you always yeah. know you have something to fall back on. Yeah. So, and I, and I would think that that definitely plays a role because sometimes for people, when this is all they have, you know, and they don't have anything else, then I guess it would be a lot more scary. But one of the things I know about me, because I am a salesperson, is just get, just put me out there. I'm going to make some money. <laughs> Something's going to happen. <laughs> right. Um, so what's kind of the selling point then? Like Scott's Realty, like, you are, like you're trying to get a new client and they're deciding between multiple brokerages. Uh-huh. What sets you all apart? Well, the biggest thing I think that sets us apart um, in this market, in um, the Georgia, well, the Savannah market, because we also work, I have agents in Atlanta too. So I am a member of the DeKalb board as well. So I do have um, a footprint in that market as what? well. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> but I think one of the biggest things that sets us, us apart is that um, we are heavily involved in our community. We're heavily involved in things that's going on in the city. Um, I am also a member. I've been named by the mayor as a task force, the city of Savannah housing task force member. So we're always involved. We're always supporting different um, nonprofits. Um, we're always donating. And it, so people see our community presence and the things that we do in the community. And that's very important for a lot of people. Um, so that's one of the things that kind of set us apart because you got some companies that's all about them and they're just yeah. in the market to try to sell, sell, sell. And they don't really care about what's going on in the community. Um um, they don't really care about what's going on in the community. So um, that's one of our biggest points is that we're always involved. Um, and then also, too, we have a, a heavy social media presence um, on Facebook and Instagram. And a lot of the other companies are able to see that we're more like family-like. And even though I do have family, like my family here um, that's with me, <laughs> that uh, works for uh, me, but 
all of my um, agents, we're more like family. So we're not competitive. We're not cutthroat. And see, I've worked for companies. You know, I've worked for franchise companies and non-franchise companies where I didn't get any support, um, where everybody was it's always competitive, somebody trying to steal your business, people calling in on your properties and you're not getting the leads. So we don't function that way. So um, that's one of the biggest things about our company that sets us apart is that we we become family you know when you join scott realty i gotta see if you somebody that would be a good fit for us because everybody is not a good fit um and and we also don't like the, the the dynamics of drama you know people coming in and you know turning people against or just the just the bad egg or whatever right. so i've been pretty successful i often pray about my agents god send me the agents that's supposed to be with me <laughs> <laughs> and not somebody else so i will say and we don't have a a huge turnaround uh, most of my agents that are not new agents have been with me for years and i have a couple of agents that um were brand new that started with me and they thought that you know sugar was sweet somewhere else and then they got somewhere else a couple of them called back can i come back <laughs> <laughs> like, I, didn't know, I didn't know i had to wait a week to get paid so at scott realty i got y'all spoiled <laughs> so but anyway uh yeah but yeah we don't have a huge turnaround most of the agents that, that are experienced they've been with me for years and i do have a lot of new agents that um, has come on board and I also offer training. So that's another thing. A lot of the companies, um, well, a couple of the companies that I work with in the past, they offered, um, you know, online training and, and just things like that. But I'm a teacher. I have a teaching background, so it's easy for me to teach a class. Right. So, um, I do have training and, um, that, you know, I teach my agents, every agent that come into Scott Realty has to take the new agent training class. Um, and it is a four part series class. And I also do periodic monthly or every other month trainings um, about new things and how the market is changing. So just recently we did a social media class and we've did we've done writing the perfect contracts class and a short sale um, because of this, uh, the pandemic right. and, and things. So, um, yeah. But yeah, we, we do a lot of teaching. We're involved in it, <laughs> the community. And, you know, we have a pretty good social media presence. Going back to what you said at the beginning about um, getting involved in charity. So is that like a team effort then? Is there charities that you guys support like as a total team where you like show up somewhere or like how, how do you go about supporting those charities? Yeah, so we do. So we are um, community partners with the Frank Callens Boys and Girls Club. So that is uh, a company wide um, and every a small portion of every single one of our commission checks goes to a charity. Whoa. So, yeah, so we definitely support. Um, we do a wish list for the Girls and Boys Club every Christmas. So um, the assistant director, Karen Hamilton, she'll send us over a list and we'll go and get those items. So it could be anything from tables for the kids to eat on, um, from PlayStations to, you know, learning things. Right. Um, so just different things. So we are we we are definitely community partners with the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, we also support a lot of other local um uh, community um, um, non-profits, non-profits yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah so and you know it I like um, uh, Zalonia she has she does a educational uh, she has a, a educational program where she um, uh, teaches people and get them a GED so we've supported her so it's just a lot of different nonprofits that we support that's awesome um, and then I was 
thinking too on the second part of that. So you said that everything's like a family and you guys don't fight over leads and all that stuff. Do you have a hard time keeping like your sales competitive edge? Like, have you found that to be true at all? Like, cause you, you don't have people like super hungry against each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So not really because the difference is, is that what I, I'm truly blessed and I've been in the business for a long time. So a lot of my clients are return or referrals or things like that. And a lot of the people that are new that come to me, I'll refer them out. Um, if they're like an internet lead or, um, you know, come to me through realtor.com, I'll refer them out to help my agents to try to get their, you know, to get their mojo or get their business going, but I'm not competing with my agents, you know, at all. So I'm not really on a competitive edge with my agents, but I will say that I am competitive when it, when I'm being compared to other brokerages and, um, in other companies, because we do want to have a footprint, um, and a nice market share in the area. And, And right now, you know, on transactions in the Savannah board, we're number five, um, my company is number five and you know, we have, we, we would still be considered as like a smaller company with 54 agents, even though for some people it's like, Oh, it's a lot. But then, you know, you got some companies that have five and 600 agents. Usually they are the franchises. I mean, they may have 10 offices you right. know, with all of those agents, but, um, you know, we do have a footprint, um, in this market and, um, and we want to definitely stay there where you see in Scott Realty signs around town. Oh, yeah. You yeah. see them around town. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had trouble with scaling at all? So, like, I think you're the first broker I've had in here where she has or they have multiple locations in multiple states. Uh-huh. But then you also mentioned that you have some out in Atlanta. Uh-huh. So, like, is it hard to scale up like that? You know, like getting all these different locations, and all these different agents and all these different places and uh-huh. still keeping that family atmosphere and the charity thing going on is it hard to scale all that well not really at this point on where i am now um just simply because um even my atlanta agents they 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 have family and relatives even in savannah okay right so they're still within reach uh you know i do zoom meetings all the time so if i haven't physically met them it's almost like i know them like we grew up together (laughs) um so um, so I still can put my hands on them. We still have a relationship. So out of all of my agents, I still know them pretty well. Okay. So it's been, you know, pretty good with me at this point. Now I can't say at 200 deep or whatever that I would know everybody and can kind of keep things, um, similar, but even with the agents that, that has joined me recently and we interview a lot of the things that we are about, they are too. So they are about the family atmosphere. And, you know, it's just been a little bit diffi- difficult now since we have COVID because we always do a lot of activities too. We have done Scott Realty at the paintball park and Scott Realty this and that, you know, so we do family activities. We do things, we travel together. So, um, yeah. And have you had to cut all that out because of COVID? Yeah, so we've been doing everything virtual Zoom. <laughs> and like every year we have this huge Scott Realty Christmas party that everybody around the city is talking about. And um, we're not having it this year. So, what? you know, the agents are like traumatized. I was like, I don't want to have a super spreader event. <laughs> yeah, that's not so, a very good yeah, reputation. It's definitely yeah. not. So I'm just hoping like, you know, the, the, the cure is out and... 
or the, the vaccine, vaccine yes, you yeah. know, the vaccine comes and uh, everybody is not scared to take it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and by next, by next Christmas, right, we'll be back on track. I actually just went to the Chamber of Commerce mm-hmm. legislative breakfast mm-hmm. and one of our state senators was there and he was part of the Moderna trial. Uh-huh. For the vaccine. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he said that, uh, like, I don't know where they get this statistic from, but they mm-hmm. think that a third of people, mm-hmm. 33% of the people, will take it no problem. Uh-huh. The other 33% are going to wait to see, see how the first one goes, <laughs> and then they'll take it. Uh-huh. And then at that point, we'll reach herd immunity, so the last 33% don't matter. Right, right, right. So, listen, so I don't know if I'm in the first 33 or the second 33. I'm trying to figure it out. But, like, if it gets any worse, I might be in the first 33. <laughs> yeah, seriously, me, yeah. You know, especially, you know, if I don't get it, you know, God forbid, hopefully I don't. But, yeah, I might be in the first 33 because uh, it's just been, yeah. See, I, I think now – a lot of people are now knowing somebody that has had it or has been in the hospital. So now it's becoming reality. Because yeah. I'll tell you, a couple of months ago, I'll ride downtown. Nobody has on a mask. I was downtown this weekend. Everybody had on a mask, you know? Yeah. So with 100,000 cases a day in the U.S., I guess everybody's like, wow. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. Yeah. So anyway. I think it helps, too, that, like, um, it's almost like a social thing where, like, if you walk into a store now and you don't have a mask Everybody on, looking at you. Like, yeah, you're like. I'll be like, oh, uh, I left my mask. <laughs> I need to go get my but, mask. Yes. So I think that that social pressure is kind of helping. Yeah, you know I think, I mean? and that's really good because I'm one of those people that stare you down if you don't have on a mask, right? <laughs> so soon as I forget, because I'm at the gas station. And I, I, you know, the card swipe is not working. And I'm like, what? That's why I pulled up over here. Yeah. And I got to run in the inside. I get halfway there or open up the door and people looking like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've been really terrible about it because I like, will just forget it. Like I'll forget in the desk. I'll forget in the car and then I'll go to get there. And I'm like, well, I got two options. Either I am not going in here with, or I'm going in here without a mask or I'm not going in. Uh So I guess I'm just going to have to get stared at first. I just like walk in like Like this. I just do (laughs) And that, that looks even more obvious. What is he doing? Well, I've seen people put their shirt. Yeah, I've done the shirt before. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, one of the things I do to help me remember is I keep one above my um, my rearview mirror. Oh, yeah. I keep it yeah. right, right around there. So, and I'll have one in my purse, which most guys don't carry purses. So, I know it's a little more difficult for y'all. It y'all got to have it in your pocket yeah. and, you know, whatever. But, yeah, I usually keep one over my visor. Um, so Not my visor, my... um. My mirror, my rearview mirror. So, I how one. how early in the pandemic did you guys kind of start changing procedure? So, like, well, it, early because everybody was scared real early when we only had five cases. We were shut right. down, <laughs> and now we when we should be shut down, we're not. You know, life is great. It's, it's it's normal. So it was just like everybody was scared when we found out. Oh, we got some real cases in Memorial, you know, or yeah. Candler or whatever. So when we got shut down, everybody was scared and was really on the quarantine and all of that stuff. And now it's just like, you know, life is normal. But um, I will say in the beginning, as soon as we got shut down, we just had to learn different ways and how to do business. A week later, the mayor came back and said that we were considered essential because um, we were having issues because, you know, if the attorney shut down and the lender shut down and we got people who don't have a place to stay, you yeah, know, seriously. and they are packed up in the Utah, I mean, a U-Haul living in a hotel, that's a problem. Hundreds of thousands of yeah. dollars just floating out yeah. there waiting to. Right. And we didn't know when this is going to end, which, of course, we're here now and it still haven't. 
So, um, you know, then they made real estate essential, which really helped us. But, um, you know, it still has tremendously affected the market because, you know, you, we, we got a shortage now. We got a shortage of inventory now because you got people that are scared to move up where they were going to sell their homes because they don't know about their job security. Right. Um, and then we also got, uh, you know, a lot of older elderly people or people with pre-existing issues that um, that don't want to put their homes on the market because um, they don't want people coming in and out, you know, during the pandemic. So those are all sh things that we've been fighting. And we also have to make our uh, sellers feel comfortable. So like uh, I have like a checklist that I um, show my sellers when I go in to do a listing appointment, like I had one prior to coming here um, that, you know, if the property is going to be occupied, this is the, the steps that we take to ensure that you are safe. And that agents are showing the property and they are being safe so everybody can be safe because you got to make them feel like you're going to be practicing and doing something. I'm doing different things to keep them safe because right. they don't want people coming in and out, touching their knobs, touching the lights, you know. And of course, it went from the virus last on the surface for for two hours to eight hours to 18 hours. So, you know, nobody really knows how long <laughs> it's going to last. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Right. So, yeah. So we just learned different things that we need to do. Also, we started doing a lot of video showings. I was going to ask that next. Yeah. yeah virtual. Yeah. So we do a lot of video showings. And, you know, I've always was in a habit because we, we work with a lot of military um, buyers and people that relocate to the area. So we would do that for them. But we've been doing a lot of video showings for people that's, you know, 30 minutes away or 45 minutes away because um, of COVID. So it, it's definitely teaching us to do business a different way. Um, and, and that's what we've been doing. Also, too, on a lot of our listings, we're been, we've been getting the 3D tours so where they can actually walk through the house. So instead of us um, making appointments, um, instead of a lot of agents making appointments and they haven't did a 3d tour. Cause a lot of times a buyer can do a tour and realize that this layout is not going to work for me. Right. But before the 3d tours, all they see is the pictures, the, you know, the professional photos. So they don't really know how the house actually lay out and what's right. through that door. So now, um, with a lot of companies, um, especially us and, you know, some of the larger companies are now doing these Matterport or Zillow tour, um, 3D tours. It's, it's making it better and easier to show properties and easier to go under contract. Have you seen a lot of people that want to do the virtual or is mostly people have still been doing everything pretty normal? Well, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of the, especially my out-of-town buyers that want to do virtual um, because they can rule out houses just from the virtual. So if it's 10 homes on the list, they can rule it, narrow it down easily right. to three or four. And then therefore to cut me back on going to 10 houses, doing a video call. Right. I, right. Yeah. So yeah, if you have that, they'll then know, okay, you walk in here. Well, I don't like a bedroom off the kitchen or I don't like this. So they'll, they they can actually see that with these 3d tours. In the beginning, was your guys' business affected, like, as far as volume-wise from COVID? It was. It definitely was because, keep in mind, we were shut down, We and initially we wasn't considered um, essential, so um, showing houses. You know, then you got the people that panicked whose homes were on the market, you know, I, and who live in their house. I don't want anybody in my house with COVID because it was just, you know, the unknown. Nobody knew anything about the virus at that point. Right. 
So it was, you know, scary. And because people have watched all these scary movies that, you know, a virus take over everybody, <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> you know, nobody knew, like, exactly what to do, you right. know, or whatever. So now it's, it's better, you know, uh, as everybody's been watching the news and um, and keeping up with the, the count and the different ways that people have been treated uh, with the virus and also with people knowing if they've had a friend who've had it and they've had conversations with them. And um, so now people are a little bit, you know, uh, better. Right. Um, but in the beginning, yeah, it was it was definitely tough. So our months in, in March and April was substantially low. Um, but we, you know, we started because we got off the lockdown in um, April and we started back, you know, showing a lot more homes. Um, and so we bounced back, you know, and our numbers continue to go up. And then actually last month was, uh, one of our best months, uh, for this year. So I would say, it, it, well, we actually tied. So we had two months with the same number of transactions this year. So we were very high. So, you know, I'm super excited, um, that we're definitely back, um, to work. Uh, don't necessarily like that. It's the shortage of the market. Cause you do, everybody got four or five buyers that can't afford nothing. And as soon as you put in the offers, 20 offers on that property or everything's going 10, $10,000 over list price. And yeah. if you got a buyer that's right at 175 and can't go any higher, then that's not going to help them. So, you know, that the shortage is, uh, is definitely, um, causing some issues and also to, um, right now there is a moratorium on foreclosures and that also stops because now you got investors that's bidding against homeowners, you know, a property that really would have went to a homeowner. You got an investor bidding against a, a cash investor bidding against a finance buyer and it's just hard to compete. So it's just been a little bit difficult with that. Um, but overall, we're definitely blessed. Um, we're still making moves in this market during this. These we, We're still out in these pandemic streets <laughs> working. <laughs> so, Do you think when the moratorium ends, because that's December 31st, correct? Or December 30th? Yeah, and that, it was December 31st, but I think it's going to get extended. You do? And yeah, I just think so because, I mean, right now we, we had a, a worse or state than what we were when the uh, moratorium went into place place right you know so i think that it would probably lift sometime during the spring i guess once uh the um vaccine is starting to be distributed and people the 33 percent take it <laughs> 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 then i think that um you know it, it'll start getting back you know as usual at this point um, I just, I don't think so. It's like right now it's just super scary. Every time you look at the news, it's a hundred thousand yesterday. It's like, what? You gotta stop watching look, the news. I know. Like <laughs> when, and, and we had 30 in one day and went crazy. And I was yeah. like a hundred thousand a day in the U S so yeah, it's just crazy. So, um, yeah. So in your opinion then, mm -hmm. once this moratorium lifts, whether that's December or sometime in the spring, do you think there's going to be a huge uptick in houses going out on the market or foreclosures? Well, I definitely, it's going to definitely be foreclosures because keep in mind, even the people who were going to be foreclosed on who wasn't behind on their payment just because of the pandemic, they were behind back in January, February, right, March. Yeah. Those people was not foreclosed on. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's really the moratorium is for the government-backed um, properties under the CARES Act. Um, so if you were a hard money lender 
or you were an investment group or whatever, you, you could have still foreclosed. But, you know, the we know that the government-backed mortgages is, is, makes up the majority of the mortgages. Oh, yeah, FHA is yeah, huge. Yeah, FHA, yeah. VA, you know, that that basically makes up the majority of our loans. So, of course, I it's going to be. And, and like I said, those people who were behind on their payments even before the pandemic, they're even more behind. And then you got a ton of people that just who was still getting unemployment and still decided they wasn't going to pay their mortgage or pay their rents. Right. And, you know, so it's, it's, you definitely got a lot of landlords that's going to lose because they can't afford for a tenant to be in there in their homes for five, six, seven months and not paying rent and they got a mortgage. So they're still responsible. So, you know, you got a few different components here and, uh, you know, it's kind of put people in a bad situation. So, do you guys do, so do you only do real estate sales or do you manage properties and or anything no, else too? Yep. So we do property management as well. My property management company is, is separate from Scott Realty Professionals. It's actually called um, TNJ Properties of Savannah. Oh, okay. Um, two of my Scott Realty agents um, manages. They do all of the property management. They also have an assistant. Um, that helps them out. So they manage the properties. I am not a good property manager. <laughs> uh, my tenant, you know, one of them got scammed for six months. She owed me like $3,000. I was sad to put her out. You know, so I'm just totally <laughs> not a good property manager. So they actually manage my properties as well, my own investment properties. But yeah, so we do property management as well. Uh, so you have your own investments. That's going to be my next yeah, question. Yeah, I do. So how many do you have? <laughs> so I own two commercial buildings, which is one of the, the building that we operate out of on um, Montgomery Crossroads. Okay. And that also has a, se a separate side. So that is rented to an attorney. So attorney rents for me as well. And then um, in Garden City, the other location where my other office is, uh, we got the smallest space because it's for free. Um, but my other seven spaces are rented out. So I own a building with eight spaces. Oh, so you there. own the whole. Yeah, I oh, own okay. the, whole the whole building. And um, those seven spaces are rented. So I do have those two commercial buildings. And then I have like 12 investment properties, 12 rental properties. So All single family? Um, I have one duplex. I okay. have one duplex and then the rest single family. So what's the story behind, when did you start getting into investing? Well, actually, before I, I purchased my primary residence, like in 2004, I purchased a duplex. My sister and I, we purchased a duplex together. So that was our first property. And then I purchased my primary residence. And then from there, I would add on one or two here or there. Um, so. Is it still something that you like actively grow? Yeah, I do. So my goal is to definitely buy at least two a year. Um, and I've been kind of living by that for the past couple of years, but I, I want to kind of step it up some, um, what kind of things are you looking for when you're, when you're investing in these properties? Well, um, just a, a couple things. One, the, the potential growth and value down the road, because it's a whole property. So it's not a property where I'm looking to buy, turn around, flip it, you know, renovate it and put it back on the market and flip it, uh, which I do a little bit of that as well. Um, but it's not one of those properties. When you're looking for an investment property, you're looking for a property that you can hold, that monthly the numbers make sense on your expenses versus what you'll get for rent. And also it has the potential to grow in value. So if you keep this property for five or six months, right, and you're able to get $1,000 a month, and that's an easy number in rent. So that's 12,000 times what, five? 
is what, 60, right? $60,000, right? And out of that $60,000, let's say that um, um, $30,000 was expenses. So you made $30,000. And then in that five years, I turn around and sell it. And now it's the value has increased $50,000. So I made $30,000 on the hold. And then I turn around and make fifty dollars on the flip. Makes sense. Yeah. Is there like a benchmark criteria that you look for? Or is it just kind of... Just roll with it. Well, like, no. So it is a benchmark. So you want to look at, okay, what were my monthly payments? If I'm getting it financed and I'm not paying cash, what is the monthly payments are going to be? And then you look at, okay, I got to pay property management to manage this property. And then you kind of estimate a couple thousand dollars a year in, um, in repairs. But usually what I do if I buy a rental property and it's not occupied, I'll go ahead, I'll get in the home inspection and I'll go ahead and ask them to, um, uh, my home inspector to tell me what need to be done now. So I can go ahead and get those items done out the way. So if I got to spend a couple thousand dollars, I want to spend it in the front end. Right. Whether it be nickel and dimes, you know, 10 times a year. Um, just go ahead and knock those things out so I can really see my profit margin. Um, so if you, you know, if the lender tell you, hey, your payment is going to be like $650 with your tax and insurance after your down payment. And you know that you are going to rent it out for $1,100 you know, your profit margin might be about $500. So then you look at it and say, okay, well, yeah, this is a good five-year hold. This property right here may have about 15,000 worth of equity now. It'll probably have 50 or 60 in five or six right. years. So it's better than putting your money in the bank most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> have you sold any of your buying holds yet? So like you said, you started buying in like 2003, 2004. Yeah. So I, the only only thing I've sold that I've had for years, and I felt sorry for this older lady and just purchased this lot. How did I get stuck with this lot? <laughs> so it, when I actually sold it to one of my um, contractors. Oh, okay. One of my contractors like, hey, Sabrina, you got a lot in Garden City? And I was like, oh, yeah. It's like, you, you want to sell it? And I was like, oh, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so that was something that I sold that I was holding and just paying the, the taxes, the annual taxes on it. So I actually sold it to him. But none of I haven't sold any of my investment properties. Um, but I have purchased properties to flip. So I've done about three flips. Okay. You know, where I, I only reason why I'm purchasing this is to renovate it and to turn around and put it on the market. Um, and when did you start doing the flips? Has that been, hey, do me a favor. Will you pull this off of, see where it's touching? And just pull it over. Okay. There you go. Sorry. All right. I okay. can hear it in the, oh, I can in hear the thing. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so when did you start doing flips? How long have you been um, doing flips? I did one uh, probably back in maybe... 2000 uh maybe my first one maybe eight or nine okay and then i would just do one here or there so like we got one on the market now one of my agents and myself we bought it together and we renovated it and now it's back on the market so we have one now and then we have one that we purchased together that we haven't gotten it started any work yet Okay. Um, on. So that'll be another one. So I do do, I partner with my agents. I always tell them, if it's a great opportunity, bring it to me. Let's see if it works or whatever. Let's get it done. Yeah. Make some money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so do you, how much time do you spend like learning from sources outside? So like reading and listening to podcasts, that sort of thing. Do you spend? Yeah. So I do. Now I don't do a ton of reading. I do a lot of listening 
Um, also, I'm always on these webinars. It's just, you know, I, I, well, I will say since COVID, it's been on steroids. <laughs> Every day is a meeting, this day, this day, this time, this time. So, yeah. And I'm a member of a lot of different uh, real estate organizations, um, consultant organizations. Uh, I am... Um, I'm certified with the SBA uh, for being women-owned, um, a woman-owned disadvantaged business, minority-owned business. So they have a lot of opportunities. I'm signed up with SCORE. So they'll send me different webinars on, you know, expanding your business, doing this, doing that. So I'm always signing up for things to see what's out there, to see what changes are coming up, um, and also to try to prepare my agents for anything that's new coming on the horizon. Um, last year, we attended a National Association of Realtors conference, which was very informative. So I do attend conferences every year um, so I can learn new things. So I will say um, most smart people are professional students, uh, and I'm, I'm a professional student. I'm always willing to learn to see what else is new coming out and to see how I can improve my business. What would you say is... Like if you were going to give a recommendation to somebody, something they have to read or listen to, what, what recommendation would you make? Well, I would actually say um, one of the books that I would recommend is, uh, oh gosh, now you put me on the spot. <laughs> um, it is a T.D. Jakes book, and it is called... Uh, now that you've said it to me and I've recommended all my agents to go and get this book. What is it called? Uh, I can't think of it. Let's but look it up. It's funny because yeah, because yeah, TD Jakes. So Stephen Furtick emailed, I mean, interviewed him. So Google Stephen Furtick and TD Jakes. And as soon as it pop up, I will definitely. Uh, you said Stephen Furtick and TD Jakes. They had an interview together about his book. Uh, crushing God crushing God. yes okay. that is crushing. it yes amazing <laughs> <laughs> and what's funny is when I told my agent one of my agents uh, she got it downloaded and then she bumped my phone and gave it to me so I can go through the whole entire book or whatever because I listened to that and then I went back to his sermon and I listened to Stephen Furtick so I got a lot of it but I wanted the whole book but yet yeah, crushing amazing so what uh, what's the book about so the book is about, um, you know, not being afraid. Well, just basically, no matter where you came from, how, you know, what, where you started. You know, everybody started in a different place. Um, and that, you know, we all go through different, um, different challenges to get to, to where we are. And a lot of times you got to be crushed. It's, it's a lot of crushing in order for you to get to where you to to, to that next level right. and to where God is trying to get you to be in the position he wants you to be in. So it's a lot of crushing, but it is it's amazing. It's a it's a great book. No pain, no gain. Yeah, hey. <laughs> <laughs> that is. You gotta do the work. You know, a lot of times people everybody's praying for this and praying that this happened, but they don't want to do anything. Right. So you definitely gotta put in the work. So but anyway, it is it's it's great. How do you use that to influence your business? Like, is there a thing, is there anything from that book specifically that you apply to your business that helps that maybe, you know what I mean? That well, other yeah. people may want to do. Well, actually, because a, a lot of the, the principles and a lot of the things that we do at Scott Realty 
is based on me being crushed, right? Uh, it's based on experiences that I've had that uh, wasn't so good, you know? So like even from all of the companies that I worked at, uh, you know, I took a little bit of the good things that they did, but I did away with all of the bad things, all of the things I absolutely hated or dis disliked or didn't like how they handled things and, um, you know, different issues that would arise on how they handled it. Uh, those were the things that I threw out that I realized that I don't want to be this type of broker, you know, or they didn't handle things correctly. But so it's just a lot of things from my past that helped me build my company to where I am now. And a lot of that came from the crushing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me ask you this. So like a day one agent mm -hmm. just starting out, what advice would you give them? I would say that you need to, you know, so one of the things that we know about us, just people that, it, you know, if we do things, if, if we do, if we put energy into doing something and it doesn't just blow up and just turn out great, we get discouraged. And a lot of times we fall off. And that's the biggest thing in real estate is, I mean, I didn't make my first check for eight months of being in real estate. I wrote a ton of contracts. I became a professional contract writer. <laughs> I showed a whole bunch of buyers houses who was never qualified to even buy a house who would have never purchased anyway. You know, so I did a lot of wasting time. Right. Right. Um, because I didn't have good guidance. You know, I, you know, I was at a brokerage that, um, that didn't have a lot of shadowing and just, just, training and just things like that so i had to learn on my own but um i also realized that i sold so many seeds and different things like you know every every day i went out i gave at least 10 cards out whether it was the gas station the grocery store um taking my child to the skating rink wherever i was giving out my business cards and then on top of that i did um, back then it was print media. So, you know, you had to pay $500 to put a business card ad in the real estate today. Um, and then I also, you know, all my friends and family, I told them, Hey, I'm the real estate agent. It doesn't matter where you're buying or selling in the state of Georgia, out of the state of Georgia. Cause we do referrals that, you know, I'm your go-to person. And then, um, I would support people and always give them my card. So if I'm buying Girl Scout cookies or, you know, at a restaurant and I'm leaving a nice tip, I'm leaving my card too. So you can remember me. Right. <laughs> so these are things that I did for over a period of time. And then it was just like after about nine or 10 months, everything things started you know i got your number from this person you know i got your number from that or you know i saw your ad in the paper or whatever so you know i often tell them that you need to be doing uh, a lot of different things i call for sale by owners um i did expired listings so i did a lot of different things but i did them consistently i didn't stop after two or three times I did them for five, six, seven months before I ever got a phone call. But that one phone call was worth the whole struggle to get to that point, you know? Right. Um, so I would definitely say that, you know, you definitely want to get in the market, find a few different things that you can do that may be inexpensive. And, you know, one of the, one of the things that we didn't have when I started in real estate back in 2003 is that, I mean, they got social media right? and it's free. It's free. It is free. So, you know, it's, you know, you step up your social media game. And, you know, every time you're out, giving, give somebody your business card. You need to give out a minimum of, you know, five to ten business cards a day. And um, also you need to go to social events when COVID is over. Right. Get to know new people. 
Um, because if you hang out with a bunch of agents all day long, I mean, you can't sell any houses to us, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and join civic clubs. A lot of people get business from their churches or their book clubs or their sorority or their fraternity um, or whatever. So, you know, the more people that you surround yourself with and you're giving out your business cards, the more your name is able to get out. That seems like a good note to end on. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> no problem. Thanks for having me. Yes, <laughs> All righty.